Hey guys, it's Dr. Childs here, and today I want to talk to you about vitamin B12 deficiency, especially in the setting of hypothyroid patients. This is a really important topic uh, for many of you who have hypothyroidism, because as you'll find out, there's a large percentage of patients who have hypothyroidism who are also B12 deficient. Um, and that has to do with how thyroid hormone impacts your body. Now, the key important point here is to understand that these are two separate conditions, B12 deficiency and hypothyroidism. And so treating one doesn't necessarily fix the other. And so I bring this up because there are many of you who may or may not believe that you're being treated adequately, but remember, taking thyroid medication for hypothyroidism is one problem, and B12 deficiency should be looked at as another problem. So we'll talk about a lot of these things in more detail. We'll talk about um, the symptoms associated with B12 deficiency, why it's so common in hypothyroid patients. We'll talk about the right types of B12 that you want to be using. Um, if you have, uh, if you suspect you have B12 deficiency, how to test for it, and so on. So we'll be jumping into all these topics here um, and going into more detail. So first of all, we need to talk about why it's important. I mentioned it earlier, and it has to do with the fact that so many of you listening to this probably have B12 deficiency, whether you realize it or not. The actual statistic um, is probably somewhere around 40 to 50% of hypothyroid patients also suffer from B12 deficiency. And when I'm talking about B12 deficiency, I'm not talking about levels that are so low that you're obviously deficient. I'm talking more about suboptimal levels of this nutrient in your body. Um, because it's so critical to a number of functions inside your body, even suboptimal levels in the setting of hypothyroidism can result in certain symptoms and may warrant treatment. So you have to short, sort of shift your mindset away from true deficiencies, which are rarely seen nowadays because so many uh, foods that we eat and uh, box foods and created foods, they're, they're fortified with certain um, nutrients and certain vitamins. So it's rare that you ever see you know, a gross deficiency in these nutrients. However, there are many of you for a number of reasons um, including genetic mutations and things like this, where you have some in your body, but not a sufficient amount and not an optimal amount. So remember, 40 to 50% of you reading this um, probably have B12 deficiency in some capacity, or if you would like, you can think of it as having a suboptimal B12 level. So why is it that thyroid patients get this? Well, there's three main reasons, but there's a lot of other ones as well. And I'll just touch on these three reasons. We're not going to go into them in more detail. But the first has to do with the fact that many of you have an autoimmune component to your thyroid. Again, whether you realize this or not, it's uh, most likely there, statistically speaking anyway. And if you have one autoimmune disease, you're more likely to have another. And there's autoimmune diseases which impact um, the, the lining of your stomach and can cause um, atrophy of the, that stomach lining and can reduce the amount of B12 that you absorb. So that's number one. And a surprising amount of people have that. I believe it's something like one-third of thyroid patients or one-third of total hypothyroid patients um, based off the studies I've looked at have this particular condition. Number two would be um, that many of you have gut-related issues, which includes things like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And these conditions reduce um, because of the bacterial concentrations in your gut, they reduce how much of the, the nutrients that you absorb, but particularly B12 as well. So even if you're taking oral B12, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's getting inside of your body. And that has to do with conditions, as I mentioned, such as SIBO. And then lastly, thyroid hormone impacts the transit time or how quickly your gut moves. So you'll probably recall that one of the symptoms of hypothyroidism is constipation. And the reason for that is simple. Your thyroid helps your stomach or your, your gastrointestinal tract move forward. 
And if there's a reduced amount of thyroid action on your stomach, then it slows down. And then, of course, that leads to constipation, whereas speeding it up would lead to diarrhea, which is one of the symptoms of hyperthyroidism. So this slow transit time reduces uh, the amount of absorption, partly because of it, it allows for the increase in the growth of bacteria or certain types of bacteria. So three big, big reasons why thyroid patients get it. So let's talk about some of the symptoms. Now, what can be confusing for a lot of patients is that B12 deficiency symptoms mimic hypothyroid symptoms. So I have a list here of these symptoms associated with B12 deficiency. And you can compare some of your own symptoms to those, to those of hypothyroidism. So first of all, we have brain fog. Uh, we have fatigue or weakness, we have weight gain, we have heart palpitations, constipation, changes to your tongue, numbness and tingling, and depression. So look at this list, and you can see that many of these symptoms are also shared with the diagnosis of hypothyroidism, which would be caused by reduced thyroid action in your body. So we have two conditions which cause very, very, very similar symptoms which can be confusing to people. So you might be taking thyroid medication and you have these symptoms and then some of them go away, but some of them persist. And this is sort of the setup um, that, that I was describing before where you can have two conditions at once. You can have hypothyroidism and B12 deficiency or suboptimal B12 uh, levels, which aren't necessarily resolved when you start treating your thyroid. So that can make sort of the diagnosis difficult. And then I've mentioned this before, but um, treating your thyroid with thyroid medication isn't going to treat your B12 deficiency. Yes, it may help you absorb B12 in the future, and it may clean up some of the conditions that you're dealing with, but it will not treat the B12 deficiency, which means it requires treatment of its own. So let's talk about a little bit about testing as well. This is a little bit of a complex topic, and I see a lot of confusion among patients and a ton of confusion among doctors, um, but it's, it's actually pretty straightforward. So most people, when they look at their B12, they order a serum B12 test. And that's probably one of the worst tests that you can order. Um, the good news is that it's really cheap, and so doctors are willing to order it, and they'll order it. But that test only tells you how much B12 is floating around in your bloodstream. What it doesn't tell you is whether or not that B12 is becoming activated in your body, is being absorbed um, by your cells, and, be, and is being utilized by your, by your cells as well. So that number by itself could be very deceiving. In fact, a great many of you, if you tested your serum B12, would find that that serum B12 is probably mid-range to maybe even high, especially if you're taking a B12 supplement. But that doesn't mean that you're getting enough B12 in your body. Now, doctors know this, and if you go back to med, med school 101, I was taught this as well, and I know they all were, but then maybe they just forgot. We know this about serum B12 testing, which is why we have another test called methylmalonic acid, or MMA. And this is actually a metabolite of the B12 process. And this is a more sensitive measure and way of testing for B12 deficiency in the blood. So this exists, just not a lot of people order it. And in fact, when I was in medical school and they were teaching me about this, they said that generally if you suspect B12 deficiency, it's cheaper to just treat it than it is to test it because the MMA test or methylmalonic test, uh, methylmalonic acid test is more expensive than the serum B12. So you kind of have conflicting information there. And But I do tend to agree with that. I don't think you have to be in a position where you absolutely need to test your serum B12 to identify that deficiency and to treat it. Uh, I think that it's probably safer to just, in many cases, if you if you follow the, the outline that I described above, which was, you know, you're taking thyroid medication, you see some improvement in your symptoms, but yet you have persistent symptoms, and those symptoms mimic those of B12 deficiency, it's probably safe to, to utilize that. And I'll talk a little more about safety of using B12 here in a minute, but 
I wanted to lay that out for you. Um, I also want to touch briefly on the MTHFR defects and mutations. Um, we're not going to go deep into this rabbit hole, but the MTHFR defects, well, first of all, it stands for methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. And what this is, is it is an enzyme in your body that helps metabolize um, B12 into its active form. So remember earlier I alluded to the fact that some of you can be taking B12, but it's not actually being utilized in your body because your body can't break it down. So in a nutshell, what's happening here is that certain people, and by the way, this is a large percentage of you, anywhere from 20 to 40% have this problem. What, what happens is you can't take that B12 and activate it and then utilize it in your body. And so you get a buildup of certain um, enzymes and certain byproducts um, in your body, some of which can be toxic and lead to all sorts of conditions. Um, I talk about some of these here, but, but what's important for this conversation is number one, a, a large percentage of you have these MTHFR mutations or defects. Again, probably somewhere up on the order of 20 to 40% of you listening. Um, and number two, whether you know you have it or not, it impacts the type and formulation of B12 that you should or should not be using. So I have a list here. And again, if you want more information, read it. Read this information that I'm showing you here. I'm just sort of going to an abbreviated version here. But there are certain forms of B12 that should be used in these, um, if you have these mutations, and certain forms that should be avoided. Um, and this may explain part of the reason why many of you, even if you are taking B12, still have suboptimal levels because your body is not capable of converting the B12 that you're taking and activating in your body. So these forms that you want to be looking into, um, I list three here, but they include methylcobalamin, hydroxycobalamin, and adenosylcobalamin. So these are the approved and good forms that I recommend people use if they have hypothyroidism. The forms that you should avoid include those well, this is not B12, but folic acid and cyanocobalamin. Now, what you'll find is that the cyanocobalamin version is the cheapest formulation and the most synthetic of all forms. And so it's traditionally put into supplements because it's so cheap. So if you're buying and using a cheap B12 oral supplement or even sublingual, you probably probably has this type of B12 and it's probably not working real well for you, at least inside your body. Um, I recommend that if you're going to supplement and you have hypothyroidism, you use a supplement like this one. This is mine, but you can use another one as long as you follow some of the rules I've outlined here. Um, and you can see here when you look on the ingredient section, you want to look for where it says B12. So it says here vitamin B12, and it says methylcobalamin. So they'll all say B12, but then you need to look. Is it cyanocobalamin? Is it methylcobalamin? Etc. And then for folate, or folate, you want to look for specifically folate, not folic acid. And specifically, the most activated form is methyl tetrahydrofolic acid, which is bound to glucosamine salt. It's not the, mo the most active, but it's, it's much better than using folic acid. So again, you can use a formulation like this. This is the one I recommend. Um, but again, you can use a different one as long as you follow some of the rules that I've outlined here. So we'll talk some more about um, some of the other issues surrounding B12 supplementation now as well. And one of the questions I get asked a lot is, can you take too much B12? And a scenario that I see all the time among patients, those that email me and those that leave blog comments, is they say something like, my serum B12 is so high that my doctor says I'm overdosing on B12 and it's going to harm my body, etc., etc." Remember, first of all, I told you previously that the serum B12 is not the best way to test for B12 in your, in your blood, first of all. Um, and second of all, I dug through the research to determine if this was safe or not, and I could not find a single case of overdosing or damage due to taking B12 in any doses. So and I, I scoured all over the place. I could not find anything. And I find all sorts of rare studies of other nutrients of how they can potentially become toxic. This is one where I didn't find a single study outlining that B12 could be could be toxic. Now, theoretically, that 
part of the reason has to do with the fact that this is a water-soluble vitamin. Or, and so what that means for you is that your body can excrete it as long as you have functioning kidneys. You, anything extra that you just take in, your body just pees right out. So it may change the color of your urine, but it's, as long as your kidneys are functioning, it should not be a problem to take um, very high doses. Now, obviously, you don't want to intentionally overdose, but you'll find that, let me go back here and show you, you'll find that a lot of the times, um, so for instance, this 400 micrograms of meth, uh, methylcobalamin in the supplement I showed you previously has 16,000% of the daily um, recommended dose. But you might see that and freak out, but in fact, that's actually the, the type of dosage that you want to use if you want to start feeling better, especially in the setting of hypothyroidism. Because remember, not all of that thyroid supplement you take is going to make it inside your body. And not all of that that even gets inside your body is going to be activated. So you kind of have to over, well, you don't overdose, but you kind of have to take more uh, than you would think you do just to get it into the cells and to start being utilized. So we'll go back here. Um, one quick one quick comment. Um, this will be the last thing that we talk about, and that is the idea of using B12 B12 shots versus oral B12 supplements. And so I won't talk too much about it because I've got videos on that. Um, in a nutshell, basically, I'm a big proponent of using B12 shots. I think they work great, especially for hypothyroid patients. However, I should point out that there have been no studies which show that there's a benefit to B12 shots over oral supplements. However, that's not what I have seen in my own personal uh, practice. I do believe that B12 shots um, are superior for certain patients. Even, even patients who have been using B12 um, and they may not feel like they're, it's working as well in their body, those people can benefit from using B12 shots, at least in my experience. But generally what I'll recommend, because they're more expensive, um, they do work really well, but they are more expensive, is that you try an oral B12 supplement first using all the, the guidelines that I've listed here. So make sure it's you know pre-activated, make sure it's methyl, methylated like methylcobalamin or the other versions I mentioned, um, and give your body enough time. So use it for about two months. Make sure you're addressing your gut issues as you do it. And over that two-month period, if you're not feeling better, then you might want to look into potentially using a B12 shot. And all the rules apply with the exception of dosing, which we're not going to talk about here. But that's pretty much all I have and what I wanted to mention about B12 today. So I know this is Maybe a topic many of you are familiar with, but I think it it's worth it to go over again and to go over the details and some of the more important aspects of it. Now, if you have any questions regarding this or any questions regarding supplementation of B12 and stuff like that, please leave them in the comments below and I'll do my best as always to answer your questions. Otherwise, I will see you guys in the next one.